Section 1 of The Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matthew Reese. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith. Chapter 1, Part 1. The Thwackings. It was ordained that Shibli Bagarag, nephew to the renowned Baba Mustafa, chief barber to the court of Persia, should shave Shagpat, the son of Shimpur, the son of Shulpi, the son of Shalom. And they had been clothiers for generations, even to the time of Shagpat, the illustrious. Now the story of Shibli Bagarag, and of the ball he followed, and of the subterranean kingdom he came to, and of the enchanted palace he entered, and of the sleeping king he shaved, and of the two princesses he released, and of the afrit held in subjection by the arts of one and bottled by her, is it not known that were written on the fingernails of men, and traced in their corner robes? As the poet says, ripe with oft-telling and old is the tale, but tis of the sort that can never grow stale. Now, things were in that condition with Shibli Bagarag, that on a certain day he was hungry and abject, and the city of Shagpat the clothier was before him. So he made toward it, deliberating as to how he should procure a meal, for he had not a dirham in his girdle, and the remembrance of great dishes and savoury ingredients were to him as the illusions of rivers sheening on the sands to travellers gasping with thirst. And he considered his case, crying, Surely this comes of wandering, and tis the curse of the inquiring spirit, for in Shiraz, where my craft is in favour, I should be sitting now with my uncle, Baba Mustafa, the loquacious one, cross-legged, partaking of seasoned sweet dishes, dipping my fingers in them, rejoicing my soul with scandal of the court. Now he came to a knoll of sand under a palm, from which the yellow domes and mosques of the city of Shagpat, and its black cypresses, and marble palace fronts, and shining pillars, and loftily carven arches that spanned half-circles of the hot grey sky, were plainly visible. Then he gazed a while despondingly on the city of Shagpat, and groaned in contemplation of his evil plight, as is said by the poet. The curse of sorrow is comparison. As the sun casteth shade, night showeth star. We, measuring what we were by what we are, behold the depth to which we are undone. Wherefore he counselleth, Look neither too much up nor down at all, but forward stepping, strive no more to fall. And the advice is excellent, but, as is again said, the preacher preacheth, and the hearer heareth, but comfort first each function requireth. And wisdom to a hungry stomach is thin pottage, saith the shrewd reader of men. Little comfort was there with Shibli Bagarag as he looked on the city of Shagpat the clothier. He cried aloud that his evil chance had got the better of him, and rolled his body in the sand, beating his breast, and conjuring up images of the profusion of dainties and the abundance of provision in Shiraz, exclaiming, Well away, and woe's me! This it is to be selected for the diversion of him that plotteth against man. Truly it is written, On different heads misfortunes come. One bears them firm, another faints, while this one hangs them like a drum, whereon to batter loud complaints. And of the three kinds, they who bang the drum outnumber the silent ones, as do the billows of the sea, the ships that swim, or the grains of sand, the trees that grow, a noisy multitude. Now he was in the pits of despondency, 
even as one that yieldeth without further struggle to the waves of tempest at midnight, when he was ware of one standing over him, a woman, old, wrinkled, a very crone, with but room for the drawing of a thread between her nose and her chin. She was, as is cited of them who betray the doings of time, wrinkled at the rind, and overripe at the core. And every part of her nodded and shook like a tree sapped by the waters, and her joints were sharp as the hind legs of a grasshopper. She was indeed one close wrecked upon the rocks of time. Now, when the old woman had scanned Shibli Bagarag, she called to him, O thou, what is it with thee that thou rollest as one reft of his wits? He answered her, I bewail my condition, which is beggary, and the lack of that which filleth with pleasantness. So the old woman said, Tell me thy case. He answered her, O old woman, surely it is written at my birth that I should take ruin from the readers of planets. Now they proclaim that I was one day destined for great things if I stood by my tackle, I, a barber. Know then that I have had many offers and bribes, seductive ones, from the rich and the exalted in rank, and I heeded them not, mindful of what was foretold of me. I stood by my tackle as a warrior standeth by his arms, flourishing them. Now, when I found great things came not to me, and twas the continuance of sameness and satiety with Baba Mustafa, my uncle, in Shiraz, the tongue-wagger, the endless tattler, surely I was advised by the words of the poet to go forth in search of what was wanting. And he says, Thou that dreamest an event, while circumstance is but a waste of sand, arise, take up thy fortunes in thy hand, and daily forward pitch thy tent. Now I passed from city to city, proclaiming my science, holding aloft my tackle. Wallahi! Many adventures were mine, and if there's some day propitiousness in fortune, O old woman, I'll tell thee of what befell me in the kingdom of Shah Shamshireen. Tis wondrous, a matter to draw down the lower jaw with amazement. Now, so it was that in the eyes of one city I was honoured and in request, by reason of my calling, and I fared sumptuously, even as a great officer of state surrounded by slaves, lounging upon clouds of silk-stuffs, circled by attentive ears. In another city there was no beast so base as I. Wah! I was one hunted of men, and an abomination. No housing for me not to operate upon. I was the lean dog that lieth in wait for offal. It seemed certain, O oh, old woman, that a curse hath fallen on Barbercraft in these days, because of the identical, whose might I know not. Everywhere it is growing in disrepute. Tis languishing. Nevertheless, till now I have preserved my tackle, and I would descend on yonder city to exercise it, even for a livelihood, forgetting a while great things, but that I dread men may have changed there also. And there's no stability in them. I call Allah, whose name be praised, to witness. So should I be a thing unsightly, subject to hateful castigation. Wherefore is it that I am in the state described by the poet when, dreading retreat, dreading advance to make, round we revolve, like to the wounded snake. Is not my case now a piteous one, one that toucheth the tender corner in man and woman? When she that listened had heard him to an end, she shook her garments, crying, O youth, son of my uncle, be comforted. For, if it is as I think, the readers of planets were right, and thou art thus early within reach of great things. 
nigh grasping them. Then she fell to mumbling and reciting jigs of verse, quaint measures, and she poured along the sand to where a line had been drawn, and saw that the footprints of the youth were traced along it. Lo, at that sight she clapped her hands joyfully, and ran up to the youth, and peered in his face, exclaiming, Great things indeed! And praise thou the readers of planets, O nephew of the barber, they that sent thee searching the event thou art to master. Wallahi! Have I not half a mind to call thee already master of the event? Then she abated somewhat in her liveliness, and said to him, Know that the city thou seest is the city of Shagpat, the clothier, and there's no one living on the face of the earth, nor a soul that requireth thy craft more than he. Go therefore thou, bold of heart, brisk, full of the sprightliness of the barber, and enter to him. Lo, thou'lt see him lolling in his shop-front, to be admired of this people. Marveled at. Oh, no mistaking of Shagpat, and the mole might discern Shagpat among myriads of our kind. And enter thou to him gaily, as to perform a friendly office, one meriting thanks and gratulations, saying, I will preserve thee the identical. Now he'll at first feign not to understand thee, dense of wit that he is. But mince not matters with him. Perform well thy operation, and thou wilt come to great things. What say I? Tis certain that when thou hast shaved Shagpat, thou wilt have achieved the greatest of things, and been most noteworthy of thy race, thou, Shibli Bagarag, even thou, and thou wilt be master of the event, so named in anecdotes and histories and records to all succeeding generations. At her words the breast of Shibli Bagarag took in a great wind, and he hung his head a moment to ponder them, and he thought, There's provokingness in the speech of this old woman, and she's one that instigateth keenly. She called me by my name. Heard I that? Tis a mystery. And he thought, Peradventure she is a genie, one of an ill tribe, and she's luring me to my perdition in this city. How if that be so? And again he thought, It cannot be. She's probably the genie that presided over my birth, and promised me dower of great things through the mouths of the readers of planets. Now, when Shibli Bagarag had so deliberated, he lifted his sight, and lo, the old woman was no longer before him. He stared, and rubbed his eyes, but she was clean gone. Then ran he to the knolls and eminences that were scattered about, to command a view, but she was nowhere visible. So he thought, "'Twas a dream, and he was composing himself to despair upon the scant herbage of one of those knolls, when he chanced to gaze down the city below. He saw there a commotion and a crowd of people flocking one way. He thought, "'Twas surely no dream. Come not, genii, and go they not in the fashion of that old woman? I'll even descend on yonder city, and try my tackle on Shagpat, inquiring for him, and if he is there, I shall know I have had to do with a potent spirit. Allah protect me.' So, having shut together the clasps of resolve, he arose and made for the gates of the city, and entered it by the principal entrance. It was a fair city, the fairest and chief of that country, prosperous, powerful, a mart for numerous commodities, handicrafts, wares. Round it a wild country and a waste of sand, ruled by the lion in his wrath, and in it the tiger, the camelopard, the antelope, and other animals. Hither, in caravans, came the people of Ulb and the people of Damascus, and the people of Vats, and they of Baghdad, and the Ringis, great traders, and others trading. 
and there was constant flow of intercourse between them and the city of Shagpat. Now, as Shibli Bagarag paced up one of the streets of the city, he beheld a multitude in procession, following one that was crowned after the manner of kings, with a glittering crown, clad in the yellow-girdled robes, and he sporting a fine profusion of hair, unequalled by all around him, save by one that was a little behind, shadowed by his presence. So Shibli Bagarag thought, Is one of this twain Shagpat? For never till now have I seen such rare growths, and twere indeed a bliss to slip the blade between them and those masses of darkness that hang from them. Then he stepped before the king, and made himself prominent in his path, humbling himself. And it was as he anticipated, the king prevented his removal by the slaves that would have dragged him away, and desired a hearing as to his business, and what brought him to the city a stranger. Thereupon Shibli Bagarag prostrated himself, and cried, O great king, sovereign of the time! Surely I am one to be looked on with the eye of grace, and I am nephew to Baba Mustafa, renowned in Shiraz, a barber. I, a barber, and it is my prayer, O king of the age, that thou take me under thy protection, and the shield of thy fair will, while I perform good work in this city, by operating on the unshorn. When he had spoken, the king made a point of his eyebrows, and exclaimed, Shiraz! So they hold out against Shagpat yet, aha? Uh -huh? Shiraz, that nest of them, that reptile's nest. Then he turned to his vizier beside him, and said, What shall be done with this fellow? So the vizier replied, Twere well, O king, he be summoned to a sense of the loathsomeness of his craft by the agency of fifty stripes. The king said, Tis commanded. Then he passed forward in his majesty, and Shibli Bagarag was ware of the power of five slaves upon him, and he was hurried at a quick pace, through the streets and before the eyes of the people, even to the common receptacle of felons, and there received from each slave severally ten thwacks with a thong. Tis certain that at every thwack the thong took an airing before it descended upon him. Then loosed they him, to wander whither he listed, and disgust was strong in him, by the reason of the disgrace and the severity of the administration of the blows. He strayed along the streets in wretchedness, and hunger increased on him assailing him first as a wolf in his vitals, then as it had been a chasm yawning betwixt his trunk and his lower members. And he thought, I have been long in chase of great things, and the hope of attaining them is great. Yet, wallahi, would I barter all for one refreshing meal, and the sense of fullness. Tis so, and sad is it. And he was mindful of the poet's words. Who seeks the shadow to the substance sinneth, and daily craving what is not, he thinneth. His lean ambition how shall he attain? For with this constant foolishness he doeth, he waxing liker to what he pursueth, himself becometh what he chased in vain. And again, Of honour half my fellows boast, a thing that scorns and kills us, methinks that honours us the most, which nourishes and fills us. So he thought he would of a surety, fling far away his tackle, discard barbercraft, and be as other men, a mortal, forgotten with his generation. And he cried aloud, O thou old woman, thou deceiver, what hast thou obtained for me by thy deceits? And why put I faith in thee to the purchase of a thwacking? Woe's me! I would thou hadst been but a dream, thou crone, thou guileful parcel of belaboring bones. Now, while he lounged and strolled, and was abusing the old woman, 
he looked before him, and lo, one lolling in his shop-front, and people standing outside the shop, marking him with admiration and reverence, and pointing him out to each other with approving gestures. He who lolled there was indeed a miracle of hairiness, black with hair as he had been muzzled with it, and his head as it were a berry in a bush by reason of it. Then, thought Shibli Bagarag, tis Shagpat. If the mole could swear to him, surely can I. So he regarded the clothier, and there was not seen on earth like the gravity of Shagpat as he lolled before the people, that failed not to assemble in groups and gaze at him. He was as a sleepy lion cased in his mane, as an owl drowsy in the daylight. Now would he close an eye, or move two fingers, but of other motion made he none, yet the people gazed at him with eagerness. Shibli Bagarag was astonished at them, thinking, Hair! Hair! There is might in hair, but there is greater might in the barber. Nevertheless, here the barber is scorned, the grower of crops held in amazing reverence. Tis truly wondrous the crop he groweth, not even King Shamshireen, after a thousand years, sported such mighty profusion. Him I sheared, it was a high task. Why not this shagpat? Now, long gazing on Shagpat, awoke in Shibli Bagarag fierce desire to shear him, and it was scarce in his power to restrain himself from flying at the clothier, he saying, What obstacle now? What protecteth him? Nay, why not trust to the old woman? Said she not I should first essay on Shagpat? And twas my folly in appealing to the king that brought on me that thwacking. Tis well, I'll trust to her words. Wallahi, will it not lead me to great things? So it was, that as he thought this, he continued to keep eye on Shagpat, and the hunger that was in him passed, and became a ravenous vulture that flew from him, and singled forth Shagpat as prey, and there was no help for it, but in he must go and state his case to Shagpat, and essay shearing him. Now when he was in the presence, he exclaimed, Peace, O vendor of apparel, unto thee and unto thine. Shagpat answered, That with thee. Said Shibli Bagarag, I have heard of thee, O thou wonder. Wallahi, I am here to render homage to that I behold. Shagpat answered, Tis well. Then said Shibli Bagarag, Praise my discretion. I have even this day entered the city, and it is to thee I offer the first shave, O tangle of glory. At these words Shagpat darkened, saying gruffly, Thy jest is offensive, and it is unreasonable for staleness and lack of holiness. But Shibli Bagarag cried, No jest, O purveyor, to the outward of us, but a very excellent earnest. Thereat the face of Shagpat was as an exceeding redberry in a bush, and he said angrily, Have done, no more of it, or haply my spleen will be awakened, and that of them who see with more eyes than two. Nevertheless Shibli Bagarag urged him, and he winked, and gesticulated, and pointed to his head, crying, Fall not, O man of the nicety of measure, into the trap of error. For tis that I am a barber, and a rarity in this city, even Shibli Bagarag of Shiraz. Know me, nephew of the renowned Baba Mustafa, chief barber to the court of Persia. Languishest thou not for my art? Lo, with three sweeps I'll give thee a clean pall, all save the identical, and I can discern and save it. Fear me not, nor distrust my skill and the cunning that is mine. When he had heard Shibli Bagarag to a close, the countenance of Shagpat waxed fiery, 
as it had been flame kindled by travellers at night in a thorny bramble-bush, and he ruffled and heaved, and was as when dense jungle growths are stirred violently by the near approach of a wild animal in his fury, shouting in short breaths, A barber! A, a barber! Is it so? Can it be? To me! A barber! O oh, thou, thou reptile! Filthy thing! A barber! O oh, dog! A barber! What? When I bid fair for the highest honours known? O oh, sacrilegious wretch! Monster! How? Are the Afrites jealous that they send thee to jibe me? Thereupon he set up a cry for his wife, and that woman rushed to him from an inner room, and fell upon Shibli Bagarag, belabouring him. So, when she was weary of this, she said, O light of my eyes, O golden crop and adorable man, what hath he done to thee? Shagpat answered, Tis a barber, and he hath sworn to shave me, and leave me not, save shorn. End of part one of chapter one.